Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. So what we want to do is uh, turn to Matthew 6, chapter 9 through 13. And again, we want to read the Lord's Prayer. As we're studying this, we are up to the section in, in verse 12, and we're going to in particularly look at that and talk about that. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, or 9 through 13. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's join our faith together for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of your word today. And I thank you that as this nation celebrates Father's Day, that we acknowledge and, and truly honor those who have served as our fathers. And, and we thank you for that role and that position in our lives. We pray that you strengthen fathers in this hour to help them, Father, succeed at their calling. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you help us to have a greater understanding of your word today as we look to the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Matthew six twelve, in the English Standard Version, reads pretty much the same as we see in the King James. It says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now we need to understand that, that sin and offense becomes a debt. And it's used in these uh, accounting terms particularly. And we need to understand that concept when we come to realize the importance of forgiveness. We need, and, and one of the things is, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we come to that section, forgive us our debts or forgive us our transgressions. We could say forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. In fact, the accountant Luke, Luke chapter 4, 11, Luke chapter 11 verse 4 says, and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And so we see that in Luke's account that it's addressed as sin. But when we pray that part of the Lord's Prayer, we need to posture ourselves to be ready to forgive. Not only do we ask God to forgive us, but we posture ourselves to forgive others. So that the first moment when offense would come in that day through a person, immediately we release forgiveness towards them. We don't hold that offense because when we hold offense, it does damage in our own life. It becomes a hurt. It becomes a bitterness. It becomes a resentment that if we hang on to can ultimately destroy us. And so that's why we need not only to receive forgiveness, which empowers us to forgive. When we are forgiven, we are positioned to forgive, okay? We need to understand that concept, and that's what we really see here in the Lord's Prayer. It's interesting, the Greek word for forgiveness uh, in the Greek is actually the word um, ephesus, which is an interesting word, but it actually is defined and means dismissal, release, pardon. 
the Strong's short definition for this Greek word is deliverance, pardon, complete forgiveness. It literally means a sending away, a letting go, a release, a pardon. So it, it has that connotation of complete forgiveness. You're sending the offense away. So it's no longer going to be an issue between us because it's no longer in my line of view or its line of sight. Now, the, the Hebrew word for forgive is the word sokhlak. And this actually means to forgive or to pardon. To pardon is the excusing of an offense without exacting a penalty. It's a release from the legal penalties of an offense. Now, you've often heard of where a governor will pardon somebody. I, I know one person uh, that was pardoned by the governor a number of years ago in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, he had a radical conversion, gave his life to Christ, started serving in ministry, started serving uh, to reach out to prison, uh, prisoners and, and all that because he was at one time in prison. But he had such a transformation in his life that he received the pardon from the governor. And so that's a, a wonderful thing. But, you know, the greatest pardon we can receive is a pardon from God. Now, uh, the three points I have, if you're taking notes, you want to write these down as we share and talk about forgiveness, is God is forgiving. God is forgiving. Now, we need to understand that. Now, many of you say, well, Pastor, we know that. Tell us something we don't know. Well, you may have heard that. You may know that up here in your head, but you need to experience that in your heart. You need to have a revelation of God's forgiveness in your life. And I'm going to reference the Old Testament because some people, they think of the Old Testament where God is harsh, that there's two gods, the God of the old and the God of the new. But the God of the old is the same as the God of the new. He hasn't changed. He never changes, okay? And so we see God as a loving God. And I think sometimes people focus on the judgment and the wrath of God, which we know that that's a side of God for those who reject his mercy, for those who reject his forgiveness, for those who reject his love. Eventually, they'll face his judgment. So the wise thing is don't reject his mercy, don't reject his love, don't reject his forgiveness, okay? But Nehemiah 9, chapter 17. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, and I'm reading from the uh, God's Word translation, and it reads this way, and this is, now the backdrop of this, uh, Nehemiah is referencing the children of Israel in the wilderness, because they had issues, they were rebellious, I mean, here they were delivered, they saw these amazing miracles, the splitting of the Red Sea, they saw these judgments, and signs and wonders poured out over Egypt, all because God was delivering them to take them to the promised land. But this is Nehemiah's relating and referring to their journey through the wilderness. In, in, in verse 17, this is what it says. They refused to listen. See, that's a problem when your kids refuse to listen, right? They forgot the miracles you performed for them. They became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to slavery in Egypt. See, sometimes people would rather go back into bondage than to walk through the wilderness into the promise of God. And then it says, and I underline, I underscore this part, but you are a forgiving God. But you are a forgiving God. One who is compassionate, merciful, patient, and always ready to forgive. You will, or you never abandon them. Even though they were people not listening, God didn't abandon them. 
because he is a forgiving God. And that's something you need to understand, that God is a forgiving God. You might say, yeah, but I've sinned one too many times. God is a forgiving God. But you don't know, I, I've been doing terrible things. God is a forgiving God. And see, there's no sin that you can commit that God's love isn't greater than, that his forgiveness isn't greater than. And so we need to have that revelation. In Psalms chapter uh, 130, Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, the Amplified Bible reads this way. And again, this is going to help build a picture of a God who is forgiving. Psalms 130, verses 3 and 4. If you, Lord, should keep an account of our sins and treat us accordingly, Lord, who could stand before you in judgment and claim innocence? Guess what? No one. No one. If, if God's get, taking account of all of our sins, there's no one that can claim innocence. We're all guilty, okay? Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But notice verse 4. But, I love the word but, because the word but can change the whole direction of the sentence. Because it doesn't look good if you just read verse 3. If you read verse 3 and stop at verse 3, you'll be in trouble. But when you read verse 4, <coughs> it says, but there is forgiveness with you. But there is forgiveness with you. That you may be feared and worshipped with submissive wonder. Wow, to have that reverence for God because there's forgiveness with him. See, forgiveness is a prominent character trait of God's very nature. It, it really is. See, there's certainly forgiveness from him that is evident throughout the Bible, throughout the scriptures. You see passages that speak of, of God's forgiveness towards humanity, towards fallen man. See, he's not only able to forgive, but he's also ready and willing to forgive. You don't have to try to get God to try to forgive you, to, to make him forgive you. He's already postured to forgive you the moment you reach out to him and ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is there, okay? See, one of the greatest attributes of God's character is that he is forgiving. He forgives us even though we don't deserve it or even though we have not earned it. He forgives. Forgiveness can never be earned. It's a gift that is motivated by his love. In fact, I personally believe that the greatest expression of love is demonstrated through forgiveness. See, the greatest expression of love is to forgive someone because you can hold a grudge. You can become bitter. You can begin to take your own revenge. But that's in God's hands. You need to leave that up to God. You can't take that for yourself because that's God's deal. The Bible says don't ever take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. Let God deal with it, okay? You just forgive. You release that person. And when you release that person, you know what happens? God gets involved and, and fixes the situation, right, and transform the, transforms their life. Now, the Message Bible, uh, in verse 4 of Psalms 130, reads a little different. It says, If you, God, kept records of our wrongdoings, 
Who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit. And that's why you're worshipped. See, God's habit is to forgive. I mean, that's a good habit. See, it's a good habit for you to adopt for yourself. Can you say, well, what are your habits? Well, forgiveness. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, slap you. Oh, I forgive you. <laughs> we'll put that to the test, you know. Uh, don't, don't test people with that, okay? <laughs> but it's my habit, okay? So, in Christ, we are completely forgiven. Uh, people don't go to hell for sin, you know that? They go to hell for unbelief because Jesus already paid the price for the sins of the world. It's a matter of people receiving their forgiveness from him. See, God not only took sin out of our account, but he put righteousness into our account. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 through 19. We need to look at this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, that's, we need to get a hold of that. Because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things pass away and new things are coming or have come. It says, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now, you know that word reconcile is an accounting term? He reconciled. He did some transaction to be able to reconcile us to himself, to restore us back to favor is also what that means. And it says, and he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, this is it, verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling, which means restoring to favor, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, this is for the world. He's not counting the world's sins against them. You know, there's really only one sin that Jesus didn't die for. You know what that is? It's the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. There's no forgiveness for that sin. And, you know, I, and I picture a man standing before God on judgment day and showing him all the sins he committed. And he said, you know what? You're not being judged for all those sins because Jesus bore your judgment for all those sins. But there's one thing that you failed to do. You failed to receive and accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness for you. And for that reason, you cannot enter heaven. How sad would that be? knowing the price was already paid, but they rejected the answer. They rejected the solution. So, <clears throat> number two, second point. In Christ, we are unconditionally loved. Unconditionally loved. See, his love sees you and I as valuable and precious. See, we can see ourselves as worthless, as a mess, because our life is a mess, and we've made a mess of our life. But God sees us as valuable and precious, and we see ourselves as worthless and no good because of guilt and condemnation and shame, and all those things weigh us down. But we understand that Romans 8 once says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There's no condemning sentence to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
In John 16, 27, you need to understand. And the first part of that verse says, For the Father himself loves you. For the Father himself loves you. And it's unconditional love. It's, it's love that does not place a condition. I'll love you if. See, we as human beings, we place conditions on love. If we don't meet the conditions, then people fall out of love. And you know, I, I can see and relate that to my own children. I have unconditional love for them. Why? Because they're mine. So if they make a mess, if they dent the car, if they, they do things, I still love them. You know, we'll clean up the mess, but that doesn't change my love for them because my love for them is unconditional. And see, and I, I know that fathering, that's one way that we can have an understanding of the Father, God's love for us. When we have our own children, we begin to get a picture of, of his love for us the unconditional love that he has for us. See, the value of something is worth the price that someone is willing to pay. Jesus paid for us with his very life. He was our ransom. And we are valuable to God, even in the world that tells us we're not. You know, I, I, one time I read something where they took all the chemicals of, of the human body and uh, they said it's, you know, if you were to sell this, all these chemicals that make up the human body would be like 98 cents. Well, that doesn't place a whole lot of value on the person, does it? But that's looking at it from the whole wrong way, if that even makes sense. But, but the value God places us on us is priceless. See, we are worth Jesus to God because God sent Jesus to be sacrificed, to deliver it over to death for us. So we were worth his very best. You know, the Bible says uh, beyond the, the, the preciousness of silver and gold, he redeemed us. And in 1 Peter, we see that with, it wasn't gold or gold or precious silver, but it was with the very blood of Jesus. Now, the value of my life is not determined by the mess I've made. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The value of my life is not determined by the mess I've made, but by the price that Jesus paid. That's the value. In Jeremiah 31.3, the scripture says, The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've continued my faithfulness to you. His love is everlasting. It never ends. If something's everlasting, that means it never comes to an end. And so when we see Jeremiah uh, receiving this word and, uh, and, and writing it and giving it and delivering it to us today, we see a picture of, of the Father's character towards us. He's loved us with an everlasting love. Now, we may feel condemned because no one really knows what we know about ourselves. So I don't believe that any one of you will fully disclose everything about you, all the deep, dark secrets, <coughs> because if you did, people may not want to hang around you anymore. And so what we know about ourselves often ministers condemnation and puts us in the place where we feel worthless. But yet I believe God enters that through his love and forgiveness and can bring us to a place where we can see ourselves in his image. 
because we were created in his image and likeness. And God's work of restoration is working to transform our lives. See, you don't love your children because they've earned your love. You, you know? I can remember, and I'll, I'll have to share this. I won't tell you which child it was. But we were sitting at the house, and the, there was a big storm. The power went out. So we're sitting in the dark. I think we lit a couple candles. And one of my children was not feeling well, and I had them in my arms. And all of a sudden, and it was something with the stomach that wasn't quite, you know, right. All of a sudden, I had to vomit, throw up, puke, however you want to express it. And this child began to do it. Now, it's one out of four. You can probably figure it out. You can just ask them, was it you? Was it you? <laughs> and I can remember getting up and deciding, okay, which way to go? There's, there's a bathroom in the master bedroom, but I have to go across the carpet. And I'm in the living room right now, so I'm on carpet. And we have a hallway that has a wood floor to the, uh, you know, half bath. And so for those two seconds, I'm trying to decide which way to go as this child's puking and laying a trail of puke along the floor. And now I'm covered with puke. The carpet's covered with puke. In fact, the stain is still there to this day. Okay? It never came out. And the, the floor, wood floor was covered with it all the way pretty much to the bathroom. I, I thought, how much could this child eat? You know? And, you know, it was a mess. Guess who cleaned it up? Me. I mean, it wasn't pleasant. But because I loved that child, you know, I got messed up. She was messed up. But we just cleaned it up. Whoa. Now. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm in trouble. Now it's 50-50, folks. Oh, gosh. I was trying to keep from doing the he or she thing. Okay? Oh, hmm. You have to realize we just drove back from Florida, and we drove straight through, so 22 hours on the road. Yeah, okay. Arrived. Oh, man, I messed that up. <laughs> That's okay. We can clean it up. <laughs> yeah. In Christ, I am unconditionally loved, and so are you. See, you are unconditionally loved. You are valuable, and you are completely forgiven. Everyone needs forgiveness. See, your, God's forgiveness allows you to serve the, greatest, the greater purpose that he called you to. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So there was a cost to secure forgiveness and redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now the greatest expression of love is to forgive, as I said, and is demonstrated through forgiveness. Love is the best, is best expressed in forgiving an offense. And my challenge to you today as, as we bring this to close, I have one more point to share with you yet, is for you to release, release forgiveness towards someone that has offended you. 
Now, forgiveness, number, point number three, is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. We never feel like forgiving. We forgive because it's a mandate from God himself. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Ephesians 4, 31 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Verse 32. In other words, that bitterness and stuff, you've got to put that away from you. How do you do that? How do you get rid of bitterness? How do you get rid of anger? How do you get rid of malice? Well, verse 32 tells us how. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. See, the person who doesn't forgive becomes hard-hearted. The heart is no longer tender. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Notice, forgiving one another as. Notice that word as, A-S. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Oh, boy. You mean I have to forgive like God's forgiven me? That's right. But you need to know something. We need to know something. That once we receive forgiveness, we are empowered to forgive others. So that's why God requires it. And I want to quickly, we don't have time to get into the whole story here. But in Matthew chapter 18, we see a parable. And, and Peter comes up to Jesus and, and, he, and, and he's talking about this whole thing about forgiveness. In verse 21, and Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Peter's saying, seven times? That's pretty good, Jesus. And now he, he pulls one on Peter and he said, verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Ouch. That's 490. 490 times in one day, okay, to forgive somebody if they offend you. Well, that's, that's impossible. Well, not with God. Now, we need to understand, uh, and I, let me share this, bitterness and unforgiveness is the number one reason that Christians remain in bondage. It's the reason they still have all these issues in their life is because of the lack of forgiveness in their life. And that's something you need to know and understand. It, it goes on to say, then Jesus, he shifts into a parable in verse 23, and he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And so you've heard the story, you've read the parable of where there's this servant that owes this huge debt. And this debt is, is like um, 10,000 talents. The equivalent of that in today's standards is $52,800,000 in today's currency. See, we can never earn enough to pay that kind of debt. The debt we owe to God is, is that significance. We can never earn enough to pay that debt. So forgiveness can never be earned. It can only be received. And so this servant pleads with this master because, you know, he's going to go to prison. He's, and his life is over for this guy. And he pleads. He said, have mercy on me. I'll pay the debt. Well, he knew he couldn't pay it. So he forgives him the entire debt. Now that servant went to a fellow servant that same day. And he demanded from somebody that owed him a hundred denarii, which that's equivalent to a day's wage, you know, maybe $50 or so, 
$50 a day's wage, depending what your income is. But I think that's what it's set at. And so he has this guy thrown in prison until he pays his debt. And so the master hears of this, and he calls him back into the office. And he said, what's going on? I forgave you this debt. And now you're demanding your fellow servant to pay this small, petty debt that he owes you? See, that's a comparison. When you think of it in terms of the debt that we owe to God because of our sins, and when there's offense that we have with one another, it's, comp- it's compared like this, a petty debt. And so what happens, we see at the end of this, towards the end of this chapter in verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Verse 33, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, notice verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. Wow, that's, that's pretty heavy duty. So we do not have the privilege of holding offense, hanging on to offense. It's required of us. It's not a feeling. See, you can't go into God's presence and want one thing and go into your own life and want something else. And that's what this man did. See, when we mess up, we want grace. When we're offended and hurt, we want justice. See, have you forgiven that person the way God has forgiven you? And and in this moment, I believe we need to allow the Spirit of God to begin to minister to our hearts. And I want you to be open and honest before God and check your heart. Is there someone that you're holding bitterness or resentment towards? Is there someone you haven't forgiven? Because this could be the day of your breakthrough by forgiving that person, by getting past your past, by letting go of the hurts of the past. Because if you don't let your past die, you won't have a future you won't be able to live the life that God has for you you won't be able to step into your destiny let's stand up together if we would now we talked about God's forgiveness and I believe that if you're here today if you've never really come to God and ask him to forgive you of your sins this is an opportunity for you to receive forgiveness and cleansing to receive God's mercy to receive his gift of eternal life to be completely cleansed to be made right with him so that you can become his child so that you can be welcomed into heaven and and spend eternity with him what stands in the way is is you not receiving his forgiveness that he offers to you. But you can open your heart and you can receive it this very day. And maybe you've walked with God for time and you've kind of strayed away and and there's sin issues in your life. Well, this is your day to make things right and say, Lord, I'm coming clean. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. And maybe there's somebody that you're holding unforgiveness towards. 
that person wronged you. And I could share stories with you of people that did me wrong. And I had issues with them. I got all worked up over them. But I discovered that where I got set free is when I chose to forgive them. When I acted on the word of God and released that person of their offense. And face to face encounter them and say, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. And I saw God literally heal a situation with that person who I absolutely hated with everything in my heart. And I knew as a Christian, it's wrong to hate. And I would go to God, I know God, I'm not supposed to hate, but I hate this person for what they've done to me. But when I stood before them face to face and released forgiveness, God did something in my heart. He gave me the courage to approach that person when I forgave them, I was set free. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain where, where I'd go. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. If there's any uncertainty, I'd like to extend an offer to you to receive Jesus. And if you would say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I don't know that my life is right with him and I want to receive him now. Lift your hand. If you're here and you say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I want to give my life to him. I want to receive forgiveness. We're going to pray this prayer together. So repeat after me. Even if you didn't raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. And as you believe in Jesus, you can receive the gift of eternal life today. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I come before you in the name of Jesus. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead to give me new life. I believe he is the Lord and the Savior. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I receive you now. I receive your forgiveness as a gift. Forgive me, Lord, and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.